1: Welcome to
2: my good bad brain I'm a normal person, so I'm insane I've got depression and ADHD But I'm doing better since I medicated me I'm still not always sure whether I exist Or what being a person even really is But I figured out a long time ago that Live is
3: beautiful.
2: Hey. hey! Hi, everyone. All right. Um, I'm not going to get too, you know, talky walky about this because I'm dropping a bunch of episodes in one day. You're going to hear the same thing over and over again if you're catching up, you know, whatever. This uh, live stream was a few weeks ago, and the notes I wrote for it were uh, just, I got emotional, <laughs> which is funny. I guess that that's the only really note I wrote down about it. Um, Basically, we got in some discussion. Ultimately, um, this is at least the most pertinent thing in the episode. Or I think I would preamble and introduce it about about getting help. You know, um, to struggle to get help, and when it's time to get help, and um, I basically end up talking about some of my experiences going and getting help. Some someone wrote a question in that you know we were really going through it really deep in it and I guess that just brought up some old stuff uh, for me and a bunch of uh, folks in the chat and uh, I don't know one of the beautiful things that came out of it especially too you know as we're talking about things a couple people in the chat were right away like hey if you need someone to talk to here here I I will do it call me text me whatever you want Uh, email me few people and so uh, I don't know that was just very special you know I guess, I, I don't know, I don't talk about that much, but I mean, I do talk about it a lot. I don't know. This is like invisible community of good, bad brain, you know, that, I don't know, the message that I get, or, you know, a, a variation on this message is what I get the most often, I suppose, when people decide to reach out, is just that it's validating, you know, that it's like reassuring to hear other people as open Uh, or be open rather about what they're going through and not being perfect and not feeling sane all the time and trying their best, you know, and this little mini community that validates each other and finds solidarity in each other is really real. And if there's one thing that the quarantine stuff and then just doing this pod live and people showing up for it more that it's really driven home is that this little community exists, you know, and they want to be there for each other. So I think that's amazing. Um, that's it. I'm not going to introduce it too hard. Just let the thing roll now. And, uh, yeah, thank you guys so much. See us Sunday. If you want to come join for the live stream version of it, 10 a.m. Pacific on Sundays at youtube.com slash J sleeper. We stream, uh, Nick and I chatting and we answer questions from folks in the chat, or if you want to email at my at at gmail.com, you can do that too. Uh you can also support the pod if you want at uh patreon.com/mygoodbadbrain or uh mygoodbadbrain.com. You can go there and buy shirts and stuff. All right. That's it. Thank you so much. Uh I hope you guys uh enjoy this convo and uh then all the other ones and stuff. And if you're feeling you know freaked out about getting help or something like that, maybe some of this just lets you know that other people feel that way too. And uh yeah, it is kind of scary, but uh worth it you know ultimately it genuinely is fucking quite worth it so all right uh thank you all so much thanks for being here i adore you uh self-care i you. be well we're technically we're live now i guess we are go over there um hi good morning dr nick morning uh i think there's a few viewers in the room we'll see who shows i i I, f- I woke up a little late today, I've just been you know and then I did something in my neck as we were just talking about, and I just feel like it just puts me so out of it and so distracted. So here we're here. I didn't really do announcements <laughs> or anything. Here wait, why don't we just do a quick little how how the sausage is made? <laughs> Go on Instagram one second. Hi, I'm live right now on the podcast with Dr. Nick, and we're doing My Good Bad Brain. We do it every morning at, well, every morning, every Sunday at 10, 10 a.m. Come on over, youtube.com slash J Sleeper, asking questions about mental health you want. All right, good morning. See you at noon. Silly.
3: I forget sometimes that you used to be, yeah, really make the sausage. Make what? That you re- used to really make the sausage.
2: What do you mean? Oh, I did. Yes, I was a butcher for a period of time. Yeah. It's true. That was interesting. It's weird that the the being a butcher, like, I'm haunted by this moment with my uh, father from when I was like in, I think I was in seventh. I always remembered that I was in seventh grade, but I feel like all my memories like fall into like, I was 12 or seventh grade, which is close, but very distinct <laughs> or kind of high school. Or like six, and that's just all of them. You know what I mean? They're like they all just pick one of those slots. I get it. But uh, my dad, who you know, it was the very very important part of my yeah. initial mental health journey. Obviously, for a lot of reasons, he was uh deep in in the turmoil of stuff that he was going on with him, like with bipolar stuff and uh, drug stuff and. You know, ended up getting disbarred. And I remember he had this one moment that was like kind of felt like a moment of clarity where he goes, uh, you know, most people, you ask them who they are and they tell you their job. I was a lawyer for 16 years and now I'm not. And then it was just like this weird gap, you know, this like one of those like dad moments where you're like your father says a thing and then there's just this big hole where nothing could fall into it. You know what I mean? Nothing or everything could fall into it. I don't know. It was so weird. So I always think about that when how we identify ourselves and like that, the the strangeness that uh comes with jo- like a job. Like whenever you have a job, how much we can't help but say like this job, we can't see you. you Oh, no. Oh, yeah. God damn it. I always forget to switch the thing over. Sorry, bro. Sorry, friends. Doop. There, we're here. <laughs> It'll pop back in. I always think the strangeness of that like that you define your role and it makes sense you know it makes sense and like makes sense I don't have to go into why it makes sense but in my life I don't we just talking about this five seconds before we started this thing like I still I still think of myself like as an actor first and the acting was like the first like role that made sense to me in society that could be a job or something like that but I really think it was like a sort of a backwards thing where I just felt like I didn't know what the fuck I was and I felt like I could be anything and I felt like all of all of the agreed upon rules of society and who we are and what we are like felt so performative already that it was like oh well I'll just make that my job the thing where I pretend to be other things so hard and then I don't have to ever pick one of them I could just be all these things and just make my life about figuring out what it is to be a person Um, and that could lead to so many places anyway the point of that is So it feels like different jobs I've had in my life end up being these little episodes, and some of them are so much, so much more important than others, even though they don't last that long. And the butcher one, I fell into the butcher thing like I had just had like a a a terrible breakup that you would fucking prompt me to finally break down and figure out all this shit and fuck up a lot over years, and I ended up, uh I felt pretty bad, pretty, like, I, I feel like the butcher shop saved my life a little bit, and it was this place I could go that was, like, so much, I mean, 12, 16 hours every day, and it only lasted probably, like, a year tops of my life, less if I was being totally honest, you know, I'd come back and forth in it, and then I'd do jobs over the course of, like, more than a year, but it's weird that that little tiny window of time feels like a piece of identity that was really powerful for other people and also for me that I was like yeah I'm always gonna have like something about being a butcher I I don't know it was just like part of who I feel like I am it's weird yeah I
3: mean no pun intended. yeah Mm.
2: well yeah and on that note about like uh look I only have like three thoughts so anybody who's like a regular listener of my stuff has heard, heard me repeat myself all the time but I, at that time in particular, I was struck because like people would be like, Oh, that's weird. So you're an actor and now you're, Oh, that's an interesting trajectory or something like that. Or maybe in LA, a lot of them really think like that's not an interesting trajectory. Like, of course, you know, you fucking fail at that and you do some other <laughs> thing that's adjacent. But I found it in like, especially artisanal food. There were a lot of people who came from art. Like the person who taught me how to butcher had gone to school for sculpture. Uh, or, and, and one of the other bosses that was teaching me how to butcher, she, wow, that shits for me. Yeah, she had an MFA uh, in um, writing or English or something like that. Like, like they were literature. I don't know something like that. Like, they were all these like brilliant artist types who wind up making bread or uh, cutting meat or making jam and preserves or something like that. You know, there is a guy who wrote this amazing. He really did lean into the cooking and stuff like that. But he wrote a whole book. Uh, amazing guy named Kevin West, who was a friend uh who who wrote this whole like textbook on jamming and pickling and preserving and he was he had been like a writer for like editor for european editor for vogue or something like that like you and yeah and i think i truly believe i was like oh well cooks priests and uh artists are in the same business it's just nourishment and with butchering in particular from like art and especially from like theater i was like very glibly, you know, was like, I don't think it's that weird. I was like, you're taking something that was alive once, and you're cutting it up into these little dissected pieces, and then hopefully making something delicious out of it, and not disgusting. You know, <laughs> hopefully it's not like an embarrassing, cruel waste that you're doing what you're doing, and instead it's uh, taking care of people in some in some careful way, even though something has to die for it. <laughs> and I was like, sounds like theater to me. <laughs> sounds like art. <laughs> I don't know. Okay, I'm gonna continue on this point. I just think this is so interesting because a friend pointed this out too to me was that there is something semi like if you listen like there's something semi religious too about butchering where um any old text the Bible or like epic you know the Odyssey whatever in the Odyssey whenever they'd arrive at a new uh land a kingdom they'd always like there's always a part of the story where they'd be like and then we sacrificed a bull for the guests you know to the gods a burnt offering or whatever but you're like. Part of that's the God thing, but part of that is like a crew, a ship of people just arrived, and we need to feed them. So, like, yeah. there's this very religious role of like the priest as a a butcher as well. Like the that you you'd, oh, you'd yeah. kill this animal, you had to know your way around killing the animals. Oh, yeah, I mean, not that we killed animals, but very interesting to me.
3: There's a great book called uh, "Trickster Makes This World." I, I'm blank. I, well, I'll just fucking find it. It's called "Trickster Makes This World." But it's a really, it's like, uh, it kind of talks, so it's just a great book in general. Uh, Lewis Hyde is the author. Um, but he talks about kind of when people transition from sacrificing the edible part of the meat to like the part that people don't eat as much, like mm. smoke became the offering to the god rather than like the actual meat, which allowed oh. uh, them to like eat the meat, right? Um, yes. And, the person who did that was, uh, fuck, was it? I think it was Mercury. So, a- anyway, it just talks about how there's like, you know, how tricking and deception and withholding from powerful figures is kind of like part of what allowed people to uh, develop and and yeah, um, yeah, it's, a, yeah, it's an interesting story. Yeah. No, that there's makes kind of so much motif sense. Motif that runs through a lot of different cultures.
2: Terry uh Bradley go, hunting and butchering anything is ceremony and I complete yes that's how I felt about it I liked to I, I appreciated yeah it just felt me mm, I mean the reason I sought it out in the first place was a feel was a oh, I could trace it back I guess the omnivores dilemma but like this feeling of growing up in uh urban and suburban areas and just never having a real connection to these things and i was like if i'm going to eat things i would like to be closer and see if i can totally do yeah. it anyway uh that's all off uh top I mean, whatever is off topic on topic i don't know um i was go- i'll just start with one of these questions that uh came in over the weekend and if y'all have any questions or anything you want to put in the chat feel free you know we'll do our do our normal thing this one question came in Uh, said, uh, I was hoping you would be able to talk a bit about sleep deprivation and insomnia on the next stream. In my experience of CBT, the treatments are mostly directed towards anxiety, depression, and or other issues with sort of the hope that the sleep will sort sort itself out automatically once the other things are treated. Is there a way to actually target sleep itself without pills and beyond basic sleep hygiene?
3: Yeah, so this is a great question. And I think the person is right that you know, often when someone comes in to talk about symptoms that they're having, um, sleep is one of them, right? So when people are anxious or depressed, it almost always impacts sleep, and sleep is actually a domain of assessment. So disrupted sleep is a diagnostic criteria for both anxiety and depression. Hmm. So it's true that, like, a lot of times someone will come in and a clinician will kind of assess for sleep, but they're focused on, like, the kind of, uh global symptoms of anxiety and depression, they target those. And usually it does work out that when the person's uh depressive or uh symptoms of depression or anxiety sort of resolve a little bit, that um as a kind of byproduct their sleep improves. That's typical at the same time, there are lots of other disorders that have really profound impacts on sleep. I mean, certainly, you know, bipolar disorder has a profound impact on sleep. There's evidence to suggest that, suggests that um, kind of what we used to call thought disorders like schizophrenia and related disorders impact sleep as well. Um, and sleep, sleep is certainly disrupted profoundly in PTSD. And the more that we study sleep uh, the more that we have realized that sleep is actually its own sort of, uh core issue and uh, sleep in the context of PTSD, sleep disturbance is an independent predictor of suicidality. So it's very, very important. Um, also, just like an interesting, you know, I, I do a lot of uh, military research and the military U S military spent a lot of money, like in the late nineties, early 2000s, maybe a little earlier, like throughout the nineties, trying to figure out how to make uh, service members function better with less sleep. I mean like mm-hmm. hundreds of millions of dollars and they eventually just gave up on that line of research and they pivoted to how to get military service members to sleep better because what we realize is you can't function better without sleep you have to sleep so
2: even with like pills and stuff even like speed and stuff like that
3: yeah. mm-hmm. other other things you know but yeah because i i this is
2: just cool. so random but I was recently uh I don't have doing military research the way you are but Netflix recommends World War 2 <laughs> in color to me. So <laughs> but there was this one thing I never thought, I never realized because oh, this is I'm not going to get off and it it's hard because with you we would talk about this kind of dumb shit whatever. It feels off topic. But <laughs> apparently like the the German army in World War 1 was like way better an army than the Nazis in World War 2. Like the army were was just like on with,
3: test. Yeah. Were on test the whole time. Yeah,
2: yeah, and that the but that the You're second
3: horrible. Blitz, which people should, if they're interested. What? Yeah. The book is called Blitzed, and it's about the German army's use of... Of speed. Yeah.
2: That's that's what I was, I was... I had never really... I'd heard something like that, but they were saying, like, the reason Blitzkrieg worked it was because they could just leave these guys awake for three days in a row on Preventin or whatever it was called. Like, this amphetamine was, like, very common in Germany at the time. <laughs> like, you just buy yeah,
3: it. Well, our a was on it, too.
2: It's so fucking weird to think, like... Uh, it's just it just i don't know i think that's why like sometimes in like popular culture when like s- like success win bro kind of stuff just feels like it attracts it or like silicon valley weirdos all feel like elon musk like it all feels like right there on the edge of like uh fascism and white supremacy and stuff like that is because it's got such a like it's got such a like uh let's start a fucking restaurant together energy to it you know what i mean <laughs> yeah like like you know (laughs) let's go kill a bunch of people it's gonna be great it's a good idea just do the numbers i did the numbers i did the numbers you know what i mean right
3: Right. anyway wait
2: so but sleep though there's no way to get around needing it is the you have to sleep i mean
3: it's like you know people have heard this stuff before that like sleep deprivation is the fastest way to experience madness which is you know if we We could figure out a way that that's true. I'm not sure what all those words mean together, but, Mm -hmm. but the point is that sleep is really fucking important. And to answer this person's questions directly, there is a CBT for insomnia protocol that targets sleep. Okay. So I put two links in the, uh, yes,
2: I'll share these links out. Um, I, I know I haven't updated our little drive thing, but if you go to Patreon, the 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 slash my brain, I'll put a post with it. It's a public post; you don't have to be like a member of the Patreon to access it or anything. And I've been I've created a, a, like a Google Drive folder where I've been dropping Dr. Nick's resources. So I'll include this one, which is uh, Do you want to say what it's called? If somebody just wants to try to Google it too?
3: Yeah, I mean, if, if you just Google CBT for insomnia, you'll get a bunch of hits. You can read the studies if you go to like Google Scholar, um, but you know Mayo Clinic has a nice. Um, little piece on it. Sleepfoundation.org is the one that I'm, that I also put up at CBT for insomnia techniques and case study. <clears throat> um, but yeah, it, it, it targets sleep, but it does use CBT techniques, but I mean, everything uses CBT techniques to the extent that you're just examining your thoughts, collecting evidence in support of them uh, and trying, you know, behavioral interventions. So don't get turned off. If you're like, I don't like CBT. Just take a look um,
2: what do you do? Do you have any tricks to to sleep if you can't sleep?
3: Uh, yeah, I mean, so yeah, tooth. Well, I, I smoke a little weed before I go to sleep for sure, know? yeah, you know, but I've done that, yeah, sometimes I don't do it. that, or if I'm traveling or whatever, or it's just time to take a break. And usually, my sleep, I'll have a little trouble sleeping like the first night. Um. And then I, I just reset and it becomes normal. But the things that work for me are like exercise, you know, like yeah. bigger exercise to tire the body, um, and honestly, meditation techniques, like the ability to recognize uh, when your attention is getting pulled onto like sticky thoughts and mm. to redirect your focus. You know, sometimes just, I don't think this stuff will work for everyone, like. I'm lucky that sleep has not ever really been like a big problem for me. Mm-hmm. But I, well, you know, there's sometimes look, there's sometimes when I'm just like, my mind is running and I can't sleep. Like that will occasionally happen. Mm-hmm. But, you know, mostly what I'm able to do is tell myself there's really nothing more important for me to do right now than try to get some sleep. Mm. There's nothing I can think about that's more important than that. There's no worrying I can do. That's more important. There's no problem solving I'm going to do right now at, one I am important to me sleeping. So usually when my mind starts to go do that stuff, I just can tell myself, you know what, this isn't that important for me to think about right now. And Mm. I redirect it onto the breath, but I have a lot of experience doing that because of all the meditation practice I've done, you know, so that kind of muscle is there for me. Um,
2: yeah, yeah, Someone just said in the chat, this is interesting for me as I have narcolepsy and I'm currently fighting a sleep attack lying here with eyes closed. <laughs> so I wish we could trade problems. Do you? Are yeah, you right. um, strict with yourself about like screen hygiene, about like sleep hygiene, blue light and stuff like that?
3: Uh, I mean, the evidence is very strong. That that, yeah. Uh, helps. So yeah, you got, I mean, like there's really good, Evidence about the amount of blue light you get in. I actually heard a presentation about this at the military behavioral health research symposium in Kissimmee, Florida, last year. Mm. Um, so yeah, turn that fucking thing off. I mean, if, if look, here's the thing: if you're, not I'm so
2: fucking bad about that. I like fall asleep to just watching shit all the yeah, time.
3: Well, that's the thing: if you're not having problems, like don't worry about it. But if you are having problems turn off the fucking blue light.
2: Off- I think I probably am having problems with it. I, I would recommend in the to- in the past I've gotten better at it because I do feel like, I don't know, I just have, div- I feel voices like help me go to sleep. It's really weird. I don't know. Um, podcasts are better yet an audio book. Because then you yeah. at least don't have the blue light coming in your eyes and put some nice, like, noise-canceling headphones on. And...
3: I mean, sleep hygiene is not a joke, man. Like, there's a, there are whole sleep hygiene protocols, like, routine, using the bed only for sleep and sex, like, all of this stuff. So, you know, so, if you're having problems, you should follow all those. Yeah. You know, someone
2: not. someone asked, uh, do you know if red light filters actually do anything? I wonder if they mean, do they mean blue light filters? Or red light because they only let red light in? Then it's, blue, I don't know, whatever. It's blue light, right? Is the yeah
3: on your phone or like night mode on your kindle not, right not night mode like the dark but you know sleep time mode or the fuck it's called where they f- do filter out the blue light right yeah that stuff helps but thinking like oh what like filter? Should I switch on my device to like sleep better? That, I wouldn't go there first, you know. Like, yeah, put that filter on, but do the other stuff. Like,
2: put the put th- the plug in your phone in the other room, <laughs> or or I guess if you need it in the room for the for the timer, like at the end of your bed, like some other.
3: Well, but even like yes, do the device hygiene, but all the other sleep hygiene. Yeah. Yourself up at a certain time. Mm-hmm. Go to bed at a certain time. Use the bed only for sleep and sex. Don't, like, chill in your bed all fucking day long.
2: Oh, that's good.
3: You know, like, yeah. Uh, uh, do some form of vigorous exercise. Don't eat within two hours of going to bed. There's, like, a whole list <laughs> I
2: fuck of that things. one up all the time.
3: Yeah, so, you know, if you're having problems... You
2: should try these things. Also, one thing I've that's helped me, uh, this is sometimes sounds so silly and I don't mean to, if you're having like intense insomnia or sleep deprivation, which I've been in those phases, I don't mean to like minimize, but one thing to look at for me is your uh, uh, stimulant intake over the day and just like how much you're taking and how recently.
3: Yeah, that's part of the sleep hygiene protocol too, is, is don't have any stimulant beverage after noon you know, yeah like that. literally
2: after noon I, I feel like i was i drink so much coffee well i've really cut back a lot and i put uh half decaf beans in the thing now but like um dude i, I think you just we're a lot of us are just saturating our fucking neurons or whatever in caffeine yeah. molecules <laughs> yes
3: yeah, so you, you gotta and, and actually the way ca- caffeine doesn't like provide something that wakes you up it just blocks a adenosine which right. is like the molecule that makes you feel sleepy so but but anyway there are these sleep hygiene protocols so you know they, they cover all of this stuff and mm-hmm. so you know this person may have followed those to a t and they're not yeah working and then you try the cbt for <clears throat> anxiety i would also excuse me for insomnia i would also add like vigorous physical exercise i agree Earlier in the day.
2: I was going to reiterate that one that you said earlier. Yes, I I, I found the best I sleep tends to be when I've been on like heavier lifting cycles because your body just has to repair. Your body's just like, fuck you. You sleep so heavily.
3: Yeah. So those are things I would try. But if you're not, if you're just kind of like, yeah, yeah, sleep hygiene protocol, follow that thing to a T, man. Follow it to a T, you know? If you're just kind of half doing it, it's not going to be as effective if you are fully yeah. following RUT and it's just not working for you. You could add in this CBT for anxiety protocol and get yourself to full physical exhaustion.
2: Yes, I uh, I will also say this is becomes like not um, very like you know <laughs> sciencey. Well, it does. It's just like more holistic, I guess. I don't know. Um, when we were, like, studying the... My brother did this... I'm fucking wearing the shirt somehow, D20. He made this... Uh, oh, yeah, I remember that. My brother... Uh, you can still get uh, this product we we've made called Reboot, and it's, like, a sleep aid tea, basically. The idea was, like, we're all just, like, these gamers and nerds and fucking stared screens all, all day long. So uh, it's really... That's very bad for you, especially, like, if you game and, like, it, it stimulates your anxiety and things like that. The gaming basically... Gives you all the same adrenaline responses to, as if you were doing physical activity, but without the physical, like, dump that helps counteract some of those things. So it just has this cortisol levels are all raised and blah, blah, blah. So uh, we made this thing called Reboot, and it, it's just like it, it's just like a horse tranquilizer of holistic stuff, you know? We put, like, magnesium and valerian and, uh, what is there, 5-HTP and... You know, melatonin was like all these things, and that helped me. I, I that tea really would like settle me out, and I like sleep on that. But, but not. I'm not even pitching the tea. I'm just saying like there are some things. Like, have you ever tried did melatonin work for you or anything like that?
3: Yeah, the research on melatonin is okay. Yeah, I did. I've yeah. taken melatonin before. I take like I've, I'll sometimes have like a sleepy time tea. Although now it's like hundred fucking degrees in Vegas. So yeah. I'm not more tea, but um, yeah, magnesium those you can try them no
2: yeah okay i uh, some of that stuff i think helps even if it's just maybe it's just like you know i heard zinc helps when i was doing because there's like there's all blends for lifting that are like um recovery blends but some of them really do help like you know
3: i just would be careful about uh any like any kind of um what the fuck are they called supplement yeah yeah that's not from a very reputable source because they're not yeah. regulated you know, and they could have any fucking thing in them. So just be careful.
2: Right. We're, we're pretty sure ours has what we say in it, but we're not scientists. Yeah. It was a lab. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> it's like, yeah. You know, comes but I think, mind.
3: you know, with everything, my recommendation is to work your way down from the highest standard of evidence. So, you know, like the sleep hygiene protocol and the CBT for insomnia, very high level of um, yes um evidence. You know, melatonin has been very well studied, seems to be very safe. That's when I would go, you know.
2: Um. Yeah. Oh, I also have a dumb sleep game that Allie taught me, which is really good. It's her her mom's. So you just like pick a category, <laughs> like fruits, <laughs> and then you just go through the alphabet, and you go like apples, bananas, <laughs> carrots. I don't know if carrots count, etc. And you just go, and it's like a. It's I don't know. It's by the time you get too far you get to the end you just pick another category but whatever it's like a better counting sheep and i will say the the last thing i was going to say the the light filters i have you worn those gaming glasses you know uh they're like uh they filter out blue light when you stare at screens they're like these yellow they look like shooting glasses they're really funny um but they do seem to help i think when you just wear them in the evening uh, and you don't have to check, you know, no,
3: even when you're the last five in Warzone, and you got to clutch up. <laughs> I don't know, man.
2: By the way, I did, I did sign in. I played the uh, tutorial, uh, at least of Warzone, and it's all updated. So we, I, I will jump in a, a game with this. Yeah. Someone said they had good results with CBD, CB. I, yeah. I mean, a nice indica into couch. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. CBD. I've had that helped it. Whatever. Uh, I have a feeling that we've gone off about this stuff a lot, and the person is like, "Yeah, yeah, 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 I try all this, I, I, you know, yeah, because that's usually how I, I feel."
3: I want to take a look at the links, the the CBT from for the sure. We and, will post and those. The physical exercise and the like physical relaxation protocols, like the progressive muscle relaxation, which we've linked to before. um, Doing oh, progressive yeah. muscle relaxation every day, especially for like fifteen minutes that will reset your resting anxiety threshold. So that's another one to try, but like, you know, this shit's work, you know, you're going to have to do fucking work.
2: Wait, what, what, what resets your resting anxiety?
3: It's called progressive muscle relaxation. Yeah. We, we have a link to it, but it's basically that process of like tensing and then relaxing your, each muscle, like from your fucking face all the way down to your toes. Mm. Um, I should do more of that. You that like five days in a row. I, I would imagine, and coupled with the vigorous exercise of the CPT for Insomnia Protocol, um, that should, hmm. um, but if this person could let us, like, oh. for, let us know. I
2: think they weighed in in the chat, actually. Oh, great. Uh, I've got the sleep hygiene down, but always without fail, wake up at three with no possibility of falling back asleep. Could it be I just need to sleep in sequences and shouldn't try and fix it, Maybe. Could
3: be. Try waking up at try just getting up at three and see how that goes.
2: Okay. Yeah, I don't know that that I kind of uh, I've gone through little phases. Frankly, I love it when my body like wakes me up, you know, um, earlier than everybody else. I feel like that's a really good time to do creative work if you can make yourself do it. Like something about those early morning hours when you're the only person around. Um, I know this is easier said than done. Like if you have a real jobby job, you got to go to then at like nine or 10 in the morning or earlier. And then, you know, you get tired around 11 and you want to take a nap and you can't. So I totally feel if that's an issue, but
3: yeah, I mean, there also is evidence that, you know, previously people slept in like two distinct cycles, you know? So there would be like exactly what this person's talking about, like an early morning cycle where they're like, get up at three and like, Be awake until noon, and then they would, like, take a nap until like, you know, six, and then they would get up again. Like the founding fathers write a lot about that. So really, yeah. Well, I mean, look, dude, you can do whatever the fuck you want. That that rocks, honestly. Society that forces you to conform to a particular schedule. I mean.
2: Yeah, I feel like when I felt best, uh, like, kind of part of this quarantine, I was doing this, like, I fell into the schedule of I'd wake up at, like, six or something every day, just naturally, I'd, like, wake up really early, I'd do things, I'd do some exercise, I'd end up falling asleep around one for a couple hours, like, which I never nap, but, like, all of a sudden had this schedule, and then, and then I'd do stuff in the afternoon, evening, and it was just, like, maybe that's, I don't know, I was, like, maybe there's a reason siesta exists in a lot of the world.
3: There's no reason to, I mean, the thing is we also like moralize this, you know, like everything else, like, yeah, we're totally. like, oh, you're, you're bad if you stay up late and you're bad if you sleep late and you're good if you wake up early, like a good boy, you know, that's all, that's <laughs> yeah. nonsense. It's all just social conditioning. But if you live in a life where the social conditioning is important, then, you know, you got to fucking do it. Right. So this person, they, they already have sleep hygiene down, which is awesome. But the this, this CBT protocol for insomnia is different than that. So it includes the, the sleep hygiene, but it okay. includes other things too. So check out that CBT for insomnia protocol. <clears throat> Part of that, though, is like, yeah, if you do wake up and you just cannot go back to sleep, just fucking get up. You know.
2: Yeah, just give it a shot to see how you see your rhythm plays out. All right. I like that. Um, all right. I'm going to go to this other question or statement question. What do you, I don't know. It's a very relatable situation. Oh, uh, oh, sorry. Well, they asked another question. So let's stay on sleep really quick here. Could it be harmful to just get five-ish hours of sleep a night?
3: Uh, I mean, the, the, so, okay. So, you know, if we think about the normal curve again, most people, uh, will see cognitive performance deficits if they're not getting closer to six to eight hours, but people are different. There's variability. And this person might be on like, you know, one of those, um, standard deviation tails, you know? So you will know, you know, you will see if you are, you know, getting five hours of sleep a night and it's like working for you after a couple weeks, congratulations, you're a very lucky person and mm-hmm. that could be working for you. Uh, if, you know, you're starting to have performance problems and you're not doing that well, then, you know, you could uh, think about some other interventions. But um,
2: I, I find kind of also like what you said, like the whole like let it ride thing kind of uh, sometimes it just resets you. Like you'll, you'll start just falling asleep earlier. You'll get your five hours of sleep because you yeah. woke up at three the first few days or week and you know, keep going. And then suddenly your body like, okay, now we go to sleep at like 10 or you know, whatever normal time. Yeah. Nine. And look,
3: people are different. I mean, there are some people, I think there are far more people who are like, I'm fine with five hours of sleep or four or three And they're really not, but there are some people who perform well, you know, with that amount of sleep.
2: That's me, bro. I'm an animal. Hustle hard, grind every day.
3: Our sleep needs also change as we get older, you know, older adults sleep less than younger adults. Obviously teenagers sleep all fucking day long because their bodies are growing. So there's really just a lot of variability. And I think you've got to do the evaluation you know individually in terms of your performance and how you feel
2: As yes, our, our uh our regenerative systems as they uh succumb to entropy no longer need to rest as we approach the cold embrace of the grave what a thrill <laughs> <laughs> uh on that stupid goth note Okay, this person submitted this question situation. It's uh this uh this one's gonna be a little tough, maybe for some people to hear. It's uh, I've been I've been here. I'm I'm grateful. I don't think I'm here right now, but I say that. But like two weeks ago, I was in a really bad depressive episode, and it and it happened. You know, this is a, one of those things you might battle your whole life if you have depression. Which again, I'm not diagnosing. I couldn't. But reading it, I was like, that's what depression feels like to me. Uh, uh and I get that pretty regularly, so less, less than I used to. I'm going to just share this, whatever. This person wrote, most days I feel like an empty shell. I spend so much of my time and energy trying to fake positivity and happiness with my family members and friends, but I'm beaten down and I wish I could disappear. I'm always looking for an escape, no matter how temporary, just to give my mind a break. I feel like I am nothing and my entire existence is useless. I pour myself out to fulfill others' needs around me, because I have to, but there's nothing left for me. I don't want to die, and I'm not trying to, but what a relief it would be. I'm so sorry this is so heavy. Thanks for listening. I don't don't yeah. apologize for that, real quick. Just don't. There's no apologies for that. That's I'm like getting emotional. I, I uh, read it to Dr. Nick before to give him some um, preamble of things we might talk about today. And uh, it's weird. I just to can't speak publicly without my emotions being more heightened. That's very powerful thing to share it's very difficult to go through that uh i've been there a lot i'm gonna let dr nick respond
3: yeah so i want to say thank you to this person for sharing this with us and yeah there's just absolutely no apology necessary is what we're here to do so a couple things this person sounds depressed and um i would urge you to go and see a therapist it's critical that you do that Okay. It's really, really important. And you deserve to see one and you deserve deserve to feel better. And please, please make an appointment or find a, it sounds like you're fucking tired. So find someone who you trust to talk to, to help you make an appointment. Okay. Yeah. The other piece is we're not going to like be able to do this now, but the other piece is it sounds like this person's interpersonal boundaries are pretty porous mm-hmm. uh in some cases and then very private in others so it's you know if you're pouring yourself out to everyone else because you have to maybe you're a mom or you have like a lot of responsibilities one of the, I can just tell you one of the things you're going to have to work on is your your bou- interpersonal boundaries um because you you're going to need to set firm boundaries because it's not working, the strategy that you're using, pouring yourself out to others because you have to, it's not working. It's not working for you. It's not working for them. It's got to change. Okay, um, but you're going to need a really good therapist to help you to do that stuff, mm-hmm. and you deserve that help. So please make an appointment with someone. Um, it's serious. It's not something that you can kind of you know put off any longer. Make the appointment tomorrow. Yeah. Or this you – know, if you can't do it tomorrow, do it this week um, and find someone to help you do it.
2: Some, I will say – and I, I hear uh, that someone in the co- comments you know, chimed in right away like finances are an issue. And I totally get that. Um, I will say that exactly what Dr. Nick is saying, I, I didn't uh, do it on purpose. But I remember – This is how I remember the chain of events that like got me into the therapy that like started to actually like. I had gone to some therapy before in my life, but I don't think I was really scratching the issues. I don't think I was really getting into it. I I was in a really fucking bad uh place. I remember. I'm glad that for whatever I'm glad that I had a a a group of close friends that I could text the group chat like. Hey, uh, a string of things that the tone was different than it usually was for them, I guess. And I was like, um, I just said, I I'll, basically exactly what you said. I just don't know why I'm alive. I don't really know what the point of being alive is. And I, the, the, the language to me also, again, I'm not a fucking doctor, but like things that I've just noticed as patterns when other people seem to talk about depression that resonates with my own experiences of depression is when you start talking about like, feeling like nothing and then the words existence entering in there like do I exist do I not exist what's the fucking point of yeah. you know that kind of shit
3: passive suicidality and it's very serious
2: yeah that that's um would you just call it half
3: passive suicidality
2: passive suicidality yes okay so I got that whatever so I was grateful in the end I was I was lucky enough that one of my friends for whatever reason they they heard it in the tone or in in the chat. They were all being nice to me. One of them was like, "What do you? Where are you right now?" And I was like, "I'm just home." And they came over uh, with their dog, and we went for a walk. There, like we went for the walk the dog. And I was like, "That might have saved my life that day." And they were very uh, helpful, also about like you sh- you got to get therapy and help me find because um, uh, they knew about it. They had gone themselves to a sliding scale community available therapy place. I went to. It was called. Um, the SoCal Counseling Center in Los Angeles. Um, And I went to the SoCal Counseling Center and it was uh, terrifying. I didn't think about it at the time. I was just like, I made the appointment uh, for the intake. It was $50 for the intake, which I know can be, uh, even that can be a, a hurdle. But, and it was for me at the time. It was fucking tough. I was like... I don't know. I, sometimes I think back and I'm like, I don't know how I even lived. Like you, you think about how much money you're spending on drinking and stuff like that. And knowing how the end of month always was. And I, who knows, but somehow I found the 50 bucks and I think they'll make, they'll always help you. If you're in crisis, they won't turn people away. If you're in fucking crisis, they just don't do that. You know, um, there might be an imaginary bill, but they just don't do it. I, I, in my experience, whatever. So I went to my appointment. Uh, they had me, um, and, and they did my intake, which is when they find out if it's like a good idea for you or not. And I remember sitting in that fucking waiting room and I was, I felt like crying just sitting there. And I was like, I, to this day, I describe it as I felt like a dog at the vet. I just felt like I was so fragile and shaky and like my tails to my legs and my fucking ears were back. And I was just like, and I'm sorry. I was just a very emotional person and I kind of like have reactivate things i come back to them very easily so i was i went in the room and i talked to the lady doing the intake and i basically said the stuff you're saying and i could i just started crying i couldn't uh not and she they usually like wait a long time like there's a few weeks you know these are these sliding scale places are tough because there's like a lot of people like us need help and the resources aren't always there, as Doctor Nick has said several times before. If you're very poor or very rich, then there's some actually great resources available to you. But if you're in the middle, there, it's really hard. It's it's expensive. It's prohibitive. There's a lot of people who need help. It's tough. So, um, uh, she was great and heard me. Uh, saw saw what I couldn't see because I felt very numb to it. Also, I just thought like this was like this is life, you know. <laughs> You're just like, that Then you don't, you don't think of yourself as like dangerous to yourself or anything. I just like, yeah, this is just what life is every, right. It's fucking terrible all the time and nothing has any meaning. And you're not sure if you even exist and who cares. Um, and, uh, and she said, uh, you're in crisis. She's like, you can, and, I, and for some reason, even that just started to like crack me. I was like, this is an outside person who didn't even know me being like, we got to get you in here. You're, <laughs> you're in a lot of trouble. And I, I, uh, was like yeah uh, okay, <laughs> they got me in like later that week and I started therapy. I think twenty bucks a session, twenty or twenty five, because they work with you. They're like, what can you afford? I-, I think part of it is, part of it might be money. Part of it might be like that the uh, the center needs money. But for me, um, that uh, for me, I-, I think that part of it is like you're. Com- they want you to be committed. Like, are you really? coming to do this you're, you're like investing literal money in the time and then literal time to get to the appointment and that was the big click for me was like people who have a thing like my father always had with like I'm always smarter than my therapist that's just about you not clicking into the thing it doesn't have anything to do with who your therapist is like are you there to work on yourself or not and I was just so desperate I needed it so bad at that point that I guess I was And, um, I started going once a week and then trying to do this stuff in my life. And it, it helped me a lot. It was years before I would go switch over, um, to try a psychiatrist, but that is the therapist ultimately who recommended psychiatry to me and thought like maybe you're a candidate. And I, years before I, months, I don't know, years, I think it was years before I even tried that. And she was who I called up to say, do you have a recommendation and give me my, you know what I mean? Like that therapist was a big, important part of my life. And I, this person in the chat uh, has added, um, you, you know, I don't want to. They they wanted to stay anonymous, so I'm trying to just keep it yeah, yeah. as anonymous as I can for them. But some, some, you know, uh, that that the, there's a fear that exists that I'll open up and I'll tell a therapist these thoughts and they'll just ship you off to an inpatient facility. Doctor Nick, won't. will that happen?
3: No, <laughs> yeah, that will not happen. No, it won't. We like restrictive inpatient facilities are. there's are so rarely used that, 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 that's not going to happen. Even people who are like, okay. So for example, when I worked with, uh, in DBT, right? In dialectical behavior therapy, people with borderline personality disorder were very suicidal. Our goal is to keep people out of inpatient settings. That that's our goal. So you're not going to, you're not going to, even if you say that you have intermittent suicidality, you're not going to go get shipped off to an inpatient um, facility that that's just not how things work anymore. So uh, but of course it's natural to, to feel that. And I totally understand that finances are a barrier. They are a real barrier and it's a complete failing of our system It's totally fucked up. This is why I'm asking you to recruit an ally to help you because it's going to take hours of calling around doing internet research, feeling frustrated, feeling like, fuck it. I don't want to do this. Like you're going to go through all of that. Um, So that's why I think it's important to have an ally to help you do the research and call, like commit to a day, you know, commit to a day, you know, make some food, sit down, like you're going to spend your day and maybe it's going to be more than a day trying to get this shit figured out, you know, find community mental health resources in your area I would start with public resources. Um, I'm sure they're overwhelmed right now, but they typically have pretty decent standards of care at pretty low cost. Um,
2: what do you think about, um, any of those apps or anything like, uh, I don't know. I haven't used any,
3: I think it's better than nothing. There's just that, you know, um, I think the research is, is out, you know, Telehealth, the research on telehealth seems to be pretty good, but these particular apps, like I don't know the quality of the therapists that are on there. I think they all have to be licensed, but, yeah, you know.
2: Yeah, I For feel the, like it seems to be the, the option existing to me. I'm, like, again, I'm in Los Angeles. Anybody who's in a major city will be able to find some of these. We'll probably be able to find a sliding scale place or some kind of yeah. support group or something yeah. like that. Cool. I will. I want to say this too. I don't know. I'm not. This is not official advice, and Doctor Nick can like say what he thinks about it. But for me, um, I don't know what your situation is either. Either, but um, I went to Al-Anon for a little bit. Um, which is like uh, family members of addicts and or loved ones. You, they say, you know, it's for anybody with a qualifier. And if you live in L.A., I would joke like, you know, you throw a rock, you got a fucking qualifier. You have an addict in your life somewhere, and. Addict addicts and and stuff. It's to me very close to codependency stuff, and I think it's very contagious. It's it's it can affect you very uh poisonously. And if you are based on some of the things you're describing about boundary issues and how in- intertwined you are with your support network, I, I'm just throwing a a rock in a dark place that. You might have a qualifier in your life. Either way, that's a completely free resource, those 12-step groups. And uh, group therapy, I think, is very effective or can be. And Al-Anon is, I felt like, a wonderful resource to go and speak about things I was going through and hear all these other other people who... um, When you hear your experiences and thoughts come out of a stranger's mouth and go like, oh, I'm the only fucking one I thought who has that, and then you realize you're not, it's very powerful. I mean, I don't know why I'm so watery about it this morning. Well, because I'm scared. I'm scared for you, and I was scared for myself, and and nobody should fucking have to live like that. Somebody in the chat goes, you know, I had a similar moment when I first opened up about self-harm. I felt very blasé about it. But he, the therapist, said something like, we want to help you stop this and stop doing something potentially fatal, fatal. And I realized, ah, shit. That's I remember that was my first therapist. The fr- I, again, another moment I always repeat, but like was fucked me up. Was I was like one day I was like, I don't even know why I'm here. And they're like, what do you mean? Because I was a very young man, you know. I was like, because I know I don't have any real problems. I was, you know, I'm, I know I'm like a good looking white straight guy in America. I don't have any fucking real problems, and I'm doing. You know, what, what am I just here? It's just you know, I can't. It's can't even. It's really hard to be alive. Some days it's just hard just to breathe. And they just stopped, and they just were like. That's a real problem. <laughs> I was like, the first person who fucking said that and made me go, oh my God, it is okay for that to be a real problem. Uh, it fucking sucks, you know, to f- live like that and feel like that. And you don't, uh, I mean, I don't know. I don't like the phrase. I don't want to say you don't have to because literally you wouldn't. Feel that way if you didn't feel that way, like you kind of do have to. Your body and your brain are t- are doing that, but yeah. I'm t- there's a way to change it potentially. Um, Allie dropped this on my desk too. Open Path Collective, she says it's a sliding scale place. I don't know if that's also local L A. Um, I'll ask her later. But that's another someone said my local public university has a community mental health clinic where PhD students can provide services to the community at a, at a lower cost. Do other universities yeah. offer this? I yes. Think
3: they- yeah. They, well, it depends on the university. Most of them will have their trainees uh, in the like mental health clinic for students. Um, not all universities are going to have like community facing um, provider networks, but like most, most, big universities have some integration with the community where they're providing some services. Um, and also trainee therapists that their outcomes in general are just as good as um, uh, kind of veteran therapists. So don't let that put you off, you know, trainees can be, cause they're dedicated. They're like fucking reading the research and they're getting great supervision. They're not burnt out. So, you know, their outcomes are good.
2: Ali, is this in LA or is this, where is this? it's like a website thing mm-hmm. okay she says this thing open path collective is a database of, of sliding scale places so you can go if you uh, google right, right. open right. path collective I guess you can you can find resources potentially there but,
3: okay. but find a friend th- this person in the chat find a friend to help you because it's gonna be tiring and it's gonna be a fucking pain in the ass to do this yeah you know yeah you for sure you gotta do it but but find someone to help you
2: even but, if like, if you listen to this pod I mean there's a good chance like <laughs> I, I my favorite thing about this fucking group is like it's not a huge podcasting thing or something but like there's a, a, a group uh, solidarity and fucking validation I realize are the point of this thing and like with this quarantine calisthenics group doing there's a group of like 10 or so people in there or 15 people who are like are really here and I wouldn't be surprised if you got nobody in your in your consistent life that somebody somebody around this group might just be able to check in with you or something it's You know, I just don't want you to feel like you're alone with this. There's, you know, um, oh, this person, is there a way to find local to them? Yeah, I believe so. And they're in New York. If you're in New York, even if you're not in New York city, I'm pretty sure you will find something that you can, you can get to. Um, I guess I haven't checked it out, but check out this open path collective. I'm going to Google it right now.
3: Yeah. Big cities like this are going to have better public mental health, uh, resources. And so it's hard to navigate the public mental health resources, but they're usually good because they have like high standards of training and it's hard to work there, you know, because they have like good benefits and stuff. So they have good therapists, um, can take a while, you know, but, uh, well
2: go check out, I just Googled it briefly and it does look like it might be a pretty good Is this open path collective. The front page has like a enter your city or zip code thing. It says online therapy is available. Um, I, I don't know, check it out. It says as long as there's financial need, need Ah, it looks like a you know check it out. That might help. And then there there might be other um I'm sure there's resources if you type in just sliding scale and where you live sliding scale therapy. And then again, that's that is why I mentioned the on thing is just cuz 12 step programs are just gatherings of people that are totally free and there's coffee and uh you know cookies sometimes and stuff and it's just nice. It, it To me, I mean, I noticed in my life, a lot of 12 step people end up in my life, like as close friends, like sober people and stuff like that. And I think it's because I'm a little bit weird and I'm definitely a a lot open and 12 step people are ready to fucking go there right away all the time. They'll talk about anything. They won't judge you. And if they do judge you, they put it way back behind everything else. they like they're able to bury their judgment and just be there because they've been where you you've been. They know what it's like to really feel like that existential that that at death's door feeling, and they won't fucking dismiss it. Sometimes it'll be a little harsh. Sometimes it'll be a little crazy. all 12s of people are different blah 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 blah. But there is, I think, uh, an understanding and a, an acceptance from within the circle.
1: There's
3: less fear and less shaming for sure
2: completely. So, I don't know. That's why I just mentioned that one because I know it's not official therapy or anything, but it's free and there's 12 steps, like, all over the goddamn country, like, everywhere. Yeah. Um, man, I don't know. That's that's tough. I guess we kind of reached the end of our hour anyway, but I, I just hope you know that you're not alone in those experiences, at the very least, that, like, they're very common. You're in a group of people who... Really fucking, oh, there, Terry even offered. T- and Terry's a, a, a mama Terry, dude. I mean, like, t- if Terry's there saying that they'll be your accountability buddy, Terry means it. Mama Terry's a very fucking loving person.
3: Yeah, one other thing also. So I think a lot of times people feel like when they're going through these experiences that they're so bad that there's just there, it's not possible for there to be a way out, a way out and a way forward. (sighs) And let let me just reassure you that there absolutely is a way out and a way forward. And that even though you are feeling like this now, it is entirely possible and not just possible, but it is likely if you go through these steps and processes that you will feel better. Mm -hmm. You, absolutely feel better you can absolutely have a uh new way of managing and dealing with these issues that are making you feel so horrible and you can emerge from this you can emerge from this and you can emerge from it and not go back
2: yeah absolutely and and, and erica also offered erica thank you so much like terry like the people in this group really are like pretty sensational i think everybody kind of relates to each other on this like very human Level of seeing that fucking void. Um, yeah, man, I it's impossible when you're in it to believe it'll ever end. Right. I I know, like the feeling is infinite, and but that's the whole that's the whole the glib thing they say about suicidality, suicidal, you know, like a permanent solution to a temporary problem is very real. You know, like I know it feels like you'll never fucking get out from under it. the, the idea of existence hey, I don't know, may never make sense. It still doesn't to me. But it's like that's the whole point of bad faith, good faith, existentialism is if you can just always try to tip yourself onto the side that says nothing means anything, this makes no sense. And that's why it's so beautiful and special. Like it's it's a one in infinity chance at like this, you know? feelings of love or eating a piece of pizza and getting a feel what that tastes like and that's a whole stupid don't kill yourself list I do is just to remind me of these dumb things like I, I can find infinity in a cup of coffee like it's just so good it's so poetic and perfect so I try to like latch on to those things but I promise you like even if you're in the deepest despair where you can't taste anything and you can't fucking feel like because I've been there uh, it will go away I know time makes no sense and I, I'm a, I love poems. It's easy to go. Like there is no end to it in that moment. I know, but you'll reach a new infinity where it will be something good, or at least not just fucking agonizing. And so I'm always just like, for sure. I know it's impossible to believe, but there's, there's a better feeling (laughs) you can get.
3: You can, you can get there. You can absolutely get there. Um, it's just, it's going to be, you know, it's going to be a struggle to get going. Uh,
2: yeah. It's going it, to suck.
3: Yeah. There's, a DB, there's an analogy in DBT, which is like the, there's an aluminum ladder out of hell, you know? And like right now you're in hell. You're in hell. It's burning. It's fucking horrible. It's super hot, but you know, you're there. And as soon as you start climbing up that ladder, it's going to feel worse because it's hot. It's hotter than where you are. Um, but if you just keep going up the ladder, eventually it will cool down. If you hop off the ladder because it's hotter, you're, you're stuck and you're going to have to go up that motherfucker again.
2: But Damn.
3: You keep going up it. There's going to be that period where like the flames of Damn. hell where you are have heated up that metal and yep. it's worse to hold on to. But if you just keep going up it, it will cool off and start to get better. That's uh, and, so good. you can
2: do that. I've never heard that. And that's so good. And that's, I, I always feel like that's the toughest thing when I've, I have a friend. I don't want to, you know, recently in my life who like, that's my scariest, the scariest part for everybody who loves you too. And everybody who meets you and knows you and relates to what you're going through, like, will love you. They can't, you can't help it. When you, when you see somebody else's common humanity, you can't help but love them. And, uh, it's the scariest thing when you're trying to convince them. That's a great analogy that like, It's going to feel harder. Like the first barrier that comes up as you try to get yourself help or something like that. Maybe it's even trying to find a friend who will sit with you. Maybe it's trying to find the time in your schedule when none of us can afford any fucking bills and you have to go work. And you're just like, I can't take a day to eat food and look at this stuff. The first barrier is going to feel like a sign from God that you're supposed to die. Like, you know what I mean? It's just going to feel, and that that idea of the burning ladder is so fucking real. You just got to keep climbing. Your fingers are blistering. You just got to fucking, don't even have faith in yourself. Just listen yeah. to the words other people are saying and just keep fucking moving up out of it.
3: Because depression is insidious, right? There's all, there's this thing called the economic theory of depression. I won't go into it. It's very cognitive, but it's, it's very good. But the point is depression is like, sitting like this because you have no resources and you don't want to take any risk because everything has fucking failed. And as soon as you take any risk, move at all from this position where you're just barely hanging on, it's right. worse. Like, um, it's worse. It's worse. You ha- It's, it's going to feel worse. Yeah. You have to do it. You have to do it. And then it will start to feel better. It will.
2: Uh, yes, it definitely will. I, oh, Yeah. Please follow up with us. Please do. Please do follow up. Send another email. Let us know what you're doing with what you're, you know, maybe where you're searching for. Just to, you know, You can send it to the, my good bad brain again and stuff. Um, but please also, you got two two fucking good bad brains out there right away who offer, and I'm sure that they'll be there if you want. Uh, and if they're not, don't take it as a sign that the, that the, the God hates you. <laughs> it's just. Life. It's just that's that's how it's gonna go. You know what I mean? Was that you were making me think of something earlier? Um Oh, I know what it was. The fucking title of the show, My Good Bad Brain. The reason I called it that was because of this. Was I basically got this sense. I realized one day my brain tries to kill me sometimes. That's just how it is. That's how my brain is. It's also good. It makes me taste things that taste good. And I got some cinnamon rolls that proofed overnight. I'm very excited to go put those in the oven after that. Thank you, brain, for that. But also, for some of us, my brain tries to fucking murder me sometimes. And I think it's in kind of a funny, like, weird drunk uncle, like who's like a, you know, conspiracy theory nut kind of a way that like I think my brain like just thinks I'm a lizard person sometimes and it's just like, they're coming for us and like locked and loaded with one in the chamber and I'm like, whoa, you gotta go to bed, uncle Jarrett. You know what I mean? But my point is like just realize it's not you. It's not like who you are. It's just a thing you're going through. Okay? And you're gonna survive it. That being said, Coffee, sandwiches, lavender soap, always number one on my fucking, uh on my don't kill yourself list. But like, I don't know, that helps me. Again, not real stuff, but like, don't, of course, of course, nobody's going to hate anybody for not reaching out. Sorry, that somebody said in the, you know, no, that's not how this works. You should just know that people are there if you want it. If you feel like you, you want it, it's there. Don't worry about it. It's not like about you. <laughs> This, that's like so i'm laughing because that's how it feels right like that's how i feel is i'm just like i'm bad i'm bad i'm bad i'm bad alien i joke about this this uh stock photo we s- found once of like a toddler oh, who knows why they took the foot it's a toddler with a punching glove on punching themselves in the head and it's like the saddest fucking stock footage i've ever seen in the world you're just like who even made you pose who made you do this because that's who we are a, what? Sick a sick person this kid just looks so fucking sad punching himself in the head with a boxing glove and we're just like that is how it fucking feels is you're just like punching <laughs> your fucking little sweet baby head you didn't do anything wrong it's fine stop you're not bad anyway I just
3: want to point out though, not to get too real here but you know of course it's not bad for you not to reach out but i think this is a small window into part of the problem here which is like feeling you know Back to the boundaries, feeling like you have to do all these things for other people in your life. But there's a barrier to asking for help for yourself because it's hard, maybe it brings up feelings of shame, maybe brings up feelings of intense vulnerability, it may have been let down in the past. So even that reluctance to ask for help from people who are volunteering it, it's not bad. It's just an indicator of probably a, a set of mm. problems that are present in your life and causing uh, you to feel alone. So, you know, we're getting a little tiny microcosm of that just in this interaction. Mm. So I think what's good about that is it points to a a road towards change um, that's going to be really hard to get down, but that's available.
2: Does that make sense? Yes, it totally does. Like the point of that.
3: Literally right now, what's what's kind of uh, present in the boundary problems
2: you're saying like the idea is the, the sort of hopeful thing is like by the fact that you're exhibiting these predicted behaviors is like actually a great relief in some sense because it's yeah. it's studied it's practiced this is like a system that has repeated itself many times and there are very effective solutions out there
3: yeah. for it and it doesn't mean that this person's specific experience isn't unique it is It's just that we are seeing even in this interaction, like, okay, here are people volunteering, but like, I don't want to do that. It's not really my thing. There are barriers, maybe unexamined barriers like shame and avoidance of vulnerability. It's telling us that our kind of understanding of what's going on is on the right track, which is encouraging.
2: And also interesting to note, all goddamn day, like you said, you'll show up for other people. You'll put on a happy face for them. You'll feel total agony over the place that you're in just because you have to for them. But you don't deserve that. You don't deserve the the, the sacrifice and the discomfort to try to make you feel better. You know what I mean? That's really interesting. Um,
3: I'm an irreverent, like a very irreverent therapist that I trained under and you know it would be like uh they do the classic well what would you tell your friend in this situation like Mm -hmm. you better believe you would tell them that they need to get a buddy and call you know um and then the person's like yeah i would tell my friend that but like i'm not going to do that and this therapist would be like what makes you so special
2: (laughs) yeah yeah that's so funny there's this uh very like i know we're running a little over but this you've activated us you know we're worried and we're all in our fucking feelings now i am whatever but like um there's this like very like Facebook meme type like copy pasta thing that Ali and I like quoted each other all the time, which was like that there's this like older couple like at, maybe elderly couple in the line at the grocery store, and that the the wife like said something like "Ugh, I'm just I can't eat that, I'm so fat" or something like that. So like, I'm so bad, and then that the husband grabbed her and was like, "Hey, <laughs> don't talk to my best friend that way." <laughs> <laughs> so we like do it all the time when you're saying you're saying fucked up shit to, you go to yourself you, you talk you go to your your friend you're saying hey don't talk to my best friend that way oh so silly but so sweet you know hey don't talk to don't talk to my best friend you know what i mean we're bonded in this fucking pain it just makes me sad it, I, ugh, i'm sorry you're going through it but i think Dr. Nate, what you said is like really profound is like even in the predictable textbook patterns of like this ne- this negative quote-unquote thing is like a lot of hope because that means it's identifiable and we can like find yeah, a way out.
3: It's not you. It's not your identity, your personhood. That's not it. It's the, it's the like it is the depression box that you're living in. And the box looks similar for everyone, even though your experience in the box can be a little different. But that box is not you. You're in the box and you got to get the fuck out of the box.
2: Just put it on a t-shirt, dude. You know? Get the fuck out of the box. That's like... That's it in a nutshell. All right. I don't know. We'll, we'll stop. We'll, that's a good... I think we'll just call it for today. Thank you so much for being open with that and sharing that story. Like, I know it's hard to even please write that fucking email. So, like, what are you saying, Doc?
3: I said please do follow up with us.
2: Yeah, please do. Let us know, you know if you read where you reach out i don't know and and again terry erica both offered uh I, I, the, you can either message them privately maybe or if you just message me and i'll put you guys in touch like please do i you know w- w- this is this is there's this whole thing of um what's the word they use it's not charity it's like community action what's the word they've been throwing around a lot and uh mutual aid yeah, mutual, mutual aid. aid
3: yeah look man in the buddhist kind of philosophy it's the sangha you know it's the community you the community is one of the three pillars you know you gotta have the community
2: yeah the this i think one thing that's been amazing about this recent tough time this strange coronavirus time is that like a lot of the world told us that when things fell apart, it was going to be like this uh, libertarian fantasy horror show. Everyone's trying to kill each other all the time and eat each other and blah, blah, blah. But in reality, it's much more like ANCOM. It's much more like people just like being cool and trying to help each other out, trying to keep the structures in place, politely waiting in line for the grocery store to not endanger people more than we have to. Like It's amazing. And I've found, I think this is a virtual sort of community, but very real one of this idea of like, it's not charity We don't need big nonprofit charity organizations and things. We need those too, I guess. But like mutual aid, that like on a person-to-person basis, showing up for each other it makes a huge fucking difference. And this little group, and you know, in the scheme of things, there's like d- dozens of us, not thousands, you know, that are this interconnected. But in a way, it makes it even more effective. Like you'll find somebody here or nearby who will relate what's going on and I, I don't know I think we can really like help each other out <laughs> you know what I mean it only took one friend help you know like taking a moment to help me out and and that friend wouldn't have known and would not have helped if I hadn't said something if I hadn't you know what I mean all right okay I'm rambling all right thank you guys so much uh Doug Nick thank you for being here again this this rocks I uh, please stay in touch everybody if anybody's if anybody else is having these kinds of feelings obviously all this stuff goes for you too very common we're in it together all right i don't know how to wrap things up we're just gonna say we're done self-care drink a lot of water be hydrating you know what i mean <laughs> all right be well i love you guys thank you so much thanks dr Nick. See so you guys we'll see you guys uh you, you check out my good if you'd like some shirts or patreon.com slash my good for more info i'll put up dr nick's resources and uh oh quick little extra plug for today at noon in 45 minutes we've been we switched the weekends of quarantine calisthenics into like self-care stuff and i'm getting some guests to come on and things i still gotta have you come into meditation I but uh today uh my acupuncturist yesterday my mom who does a lot of yoga and stuff did like some ankle and feet opening stuff that was like amazing and she's gonna be back next week with wrists but we're gonna do some acupressure type uh it's what's it called? Um gua sha i think is what it's called it's like this kind of scraping uh it's really great it feels so good i i did an acupuncture uh session quote unquote virtually where she was showing me some acupressure points and like showing me stuff i could do and i was like this is amazing would you like to do this for the group so if you're interested in doing a little self-care physical uh practice that's kind of fun um come by at noon on instagram live today and quarantine calisthenics continues uh that's it okay that's my little extra plug all right thank you guys thanks dr nick we'll see you guys uh next week i'll post this through the week are you good (laughs) all right bye all right thanks for joining us guys Uh, my good bad brain is a production of mind jam media my little media company thanks to uh coda for making this theme song with me and uh that's it mygoodbadbrain.com patreon.com slash mygoodbadbrain you're the best have a good one self-care hydrate be well